Welcome to Kick Your Butts, a show where excuses, limits, and boundaries go to die. Where moving through everything that's holding you back is the key to stepping onto your infinite path and achieving the success you deserve in life, business, and relationships. It's time to take those butts and kick them into oblivion. Now here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to another episode of Kick Your Butts, where we come together to obliterate your butts, boundaries, limitations, and excuses so that you can step into your infinite possibilities. I am so excited to be here this week. Like I say every week, you probably are wondering, how can I be that damn excited? Well, honestly, I'm not. I'm not always that excited. Sometimes I listen to the inner gremlins in my voice and they kind of stop me, even though this is what I teach. And sometimes I am stuck in a place of being happy and viewing the world through a positive lens. But, and there's my but, I get a little caught with some of the thoughts or the experiences that I'm having or have had. And guess what? That's just part of life and being human. So, when I say to you how excited I am to be here for another episode, and I am so glad that you're joining me week after week to hear the amazing insights of wonderfully dynamic and fantastic people I bring on, because I only bring on the best of the best, you know, but that I'm also excited every week when I have a guest, because I see people as the shining diamond they are, and I see people in their unique brilliance and their specialness. And so I'm super excited to have in the house today, Annette Tello. Now, Annette is an award-winning author with 25 years of experience in counseling and coaching. She combines life and health coaching in her signature creative RX coaching program, where she will help you move forward in your life as a stronger, wiser, more emotionally healthy, and creative version of yourself. Now, the use of creative expression through art making was a critical tool in her own healing, and we'll get into that very quickly here. And it really inspired her to help others by writing the book, Creative Prescriptions for Women with Cancer, Tools for Tapping into Your Stress-Free, Happy Healing Place. Annette has a wealth of experience in designing and facilitating workshops and online classes, and she really facilitates experiences that enable people to tap into their inner wisdom for guidance and strength. By sharing her expertise as a coach and an artist, and I want to say at the front side here, don't let that word artist or creative scare you, because a lot of people have a tendency to hear the word art and creativity, and they think, that's not me. And I will share an incredibly funny story about when I was a Cub Scout den mother and I was tasked with helping the boys create a Thanksgiving little like craft. And we'll get into that too. And it was a nightmare, but I tried and I was being creative. So really, I brought Annette on today because I wanted you to hear her story and hear how she really hopes to inspire others and does inspire others to lead a more creative, mindful, healthier, and joy-filled life. So, Annette, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today. I'm so happy to be here with you. Awesome. And I'm so happy to have you. So, as a you know counselor and a coach, tell me a little bit about how you kind of got into the space to begin with and then ultimately ended up writing your book, which again, I'm going to say it a gazillion times throughout the show, Creative Prescriptions 
for women with cancer? Well, I guess I started out when I was in my teenage years, and I grew up in a very um, abusive household. And as a teenager, I was going through a lot of emotional and physical pain. And I found through um, taking art classes that I was able to kind of self-soothe and take care of some of my needs because the art classes were able to provide a lot of things in my life that were missing at home. And I was lucky that I went to a school that had a a great arts program. And I started uh, to take a ceramics class. And quite quickly, I became a very good potter. And I would throw clay on the pottery wheel to make, you know, that's how you make pots where the wheel is spinning. And I realized that through the clay, when you, when you first work with it, you have to knead it and throw it on the table in order to get the air pockets out. Okay. And I realized that that would help me release some of the stress and anxiety that I had mm. growing up in, a, in an appropriate way. And then when you sit down on the potter's wheel, you have to really pay attention to what you're doing. You have to be completely present. And for the first time, making pottery allowed me to be completely grounded, centered, and mindful. And it gave me a peace of mind that I'd never experienced before. And it also put me in a creative flow. And the end result was a beautiful piece of pottery where I got positive recognition from, you know, teachers and students. And I won art awards for the pottery I created. So I I sometimes say to people that like, you know, art making saved my life. And I truly believe as a teenager, it was a lifesaver for me. And I really want to let people know who are listening that it's it's a tool available to anyone, you know, whether you you don't have to have talent or, you you know, be artistic, because it's about the process of making art or expressing yourself creatively that gives us the healing benefits. So it was really, it became this kind of therapy for you because it became very therapeutic and needing it. And like, so I'm just imagining that I'm, you know, dealing with emotional abuse and physical abuse like you did. And, you know, I was married to a, a verbally and emotionally abusive alcoholic in my first marriage. So I get that not as a child, but I get that as an adult. So I can imagine sitting there and taking this big piece of clay and just kind of like, Almost in an angry way, right? You yes, know, because I'm throwing it down, kind of throwing it down, and then like punching it, pounding it, pounding yeah. it, and smashing it, and allowing kind of whatever comes up and whatever thoughts and feelings I have to kind of be released as I'm doing that. And then, like you said, the kneading. So then, if I understand it, then when you get to kind of where you're starting to form it and you're spinning the wheel. There you have to be more gentle, right? Because you can't like... Very gentle. Yeah. Very gentle. So then in that presence, if if what I'm understanding, you were able to then like allow the venting in the beginning kind of as a therapeutic kind of vent. And then you had to be present and grounded to what was here in the moment and gentle. Did you find that that allowed you to then feel more gentle with yourself and like some of the thoughts and feelings that you were, had experienced as a child? You know, I, what I experienced was because the walls of the clay, they're so delicate when they're wet 
that you have to be, have a very slight pressure and you have to you have the same pressure throughout the, the lifting of the vase. Otherwise, you'll have weak spots. So I became completely present. What it actually felt for me was a calming of my mind. So my uh, mind was completely like the frontal cortex, cortex was completely shut off. And it was just being present and in the flow and feeling the clay. So it was a very physical experience. And my mind pretty much was quiet. And that was something that I needed because I had a lot of stress and anxiety in my life. And of course, you have those thoughts, you know, those negative thoughts repeating in your mind. And so for the first time, my mind was quiet and I was just present and enjoying wow. the, the present moment. And that I had never experienced that before. Wow. Now, were you already a counselor and a coach at that point? No, this, this was in uh, high school, junior high and high school when I first oh. started. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I, and I remembered you'd said that before and I, I missed it. Okay. So, so then take me into, you're, you're using this as a way to kind of help yourself, you know, move through some of the chaos and feel a bit of calmness and feel like you have a bit of a tool that you can rely on to deal with the stress and the anxieties. So then kind of take me on into where you went to next, what kind of happened in your life next that landed you in the counseling and coaching arenas. Well, I decided when I went to college, I decided to start, you know, as an art major in graphic design. And then I realized that I didn't like it because in graphic design, you have to make art for product. Ah. And there was no, there was no enjoyment. It wasn't about the process and it wasn't about, you know, this feeling present and uh, letting out anything that you wanted to let out during the day. It was um, very different. And I really hated it. I really, hated <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I mean, I had a good eye, but it's just, it just wasn't enjoyable. So I realized I, like, I can't do this as a living. I'd be miserable. So I, I switched over to psychology. So I got my bachelor's degree in psychology and a minor in art. And then I went on to get my master's degree in rehabilitation counseling because I realized I really enjoyed counseling. I wanted to do more of that. So my focus went from art to counseling. So what exactly is rehabilitation counseling? And then I want, I want to hear how you kind of tied art into that. Well, rehabilitation counseling, there's different sections. Like most people work in the hospital, but you can also work in, uh, in workers' compensation. So every state has Law. So if somebody gets injured on the job, you know, they have, I, I was a medical and vocational rehabilitation counselor. So I help people get back to work. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So that's yeah. what I did. Yeah. So did you tie art into that at any point? No, no, because it was at that point I had gotten away from art and I hadn't, and I hadn't, I stopped doing art at that oh, point. Oh, completely. Yes. Cause I was busy. <laughs> oh, I was yeah, working. Right. I was a mom with two kids. You know, my husband traveled for work. So at that point in my life, it, um, I stopped doing art completely, and it wasn't until I had the diagnosis of cervical cancer. Oh, my. So that was kind of my aha moment where it's kind of like I had to reevaluate my life yeah. and decide. Um, and that happened in my mid-30s, and so that was kind of a wake-up call. And from there, I realized I had I reevaluate what was important to me because at that point, and I was working, uh, I wasn't exercising, I wasn't eating healthy, I wasn't doing any art. So I realized that I, I was no longer a priority in my life. I put myself kind of last on the list. You know, you have two kids, you know, my needs kind of got placed to the side. Yeah. And so um, I realized I wasn't doing a lot of things that I enjoyed. And one of the things that I really enjoyed was art making. And so I decided 
after my diagnosis, you know, I started eating healthier and exercising and I also decided I'm going back and I'm taking some art classes because that was the only way I was going to do it because I had to just be away from the house, away from the family, away from work and take a class. And so I took a botanical drawing class. Uh, This was back in Illinois. And in the first class, the teacher, she said, just go out and outside and find some flowers to draw. And I was really excited because I wanted to, it was a beautiful spring day and I wanted to be outside. So I took my drawing pad and my, you know, pencils and I found some flowers peeking out from um, some leaves that had fallen the previous fall. And I just sat down and started drawing. And after a few minutes, I felt again, that calming peace, just like, it was like washed over me. And then I felt like waves and waves of just this beautiful energy just going, you know, just washing over me. And again, it reminded me of why I love art. It, mm. Again, it gave me everything that I needed. And that was just so healing. It was a very healing experience for me. So it's interesting, you know, so you're not doing art this whole time after, mm-hmm. you know, high school and college because you, you've shifted gears into psychology you're really not doing art. You have the family and all of the considerations that so many of us get caught up yeah. in. Working full time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we just kind of forget about our passions or the things that bring us joy or that calmness or that sense of peace. Now, you also said you took your drawing pad. So you were adept in many areas of, of art and being creative and artistic, not just pottery and clay. Is that I, right? I was good in drawing also, yeah. I definitely was good at drawing. I envy you, man. I draw stick flipping (laughs) figures, right? And I'm lucky that I could draw stick figures. I remember I wanted to write. There was some, I'm 55. So I don't, I want to say it was in the 70s. Remember the Reader's Digest? Yes. So (laughs) I used to get it. (laughs) I think it was the Reader's Digest that in the very back, or it was some magazine, I can't even remember, where it had like, if you want to write for the Institute of Children's Literature, then just cut, you know, just draw this whatever picture they had. And like a a dog or something, and then you could send it in and it was good. Yeah, exactly. And and it it was either to write, oh no, maybe I'm confusing something. It was to to draw, to see if you're a good artist. Oh, that's right. Okay, it wasn't writing. Why did I confuse the two? Well, whatever. Anyway, and I remember like being meticulous because all I could do is stick figures. And I'm just like, every little curve of the of my pen or pencil, right? And I'm looking and I'm double checking it. Like that's that's the extent of my creative artistry essentially in that way. Let me ask then, because I know there are many people like me who are like, I am so not an artist. That is not my area. I am not creative that way. What do you offer up then having been trained in that arena and, and knowing how much you love it and having talent in it? What would you say though to those people who want to allow their creative outlets, but they don't feel that art per se is that area for them, how else would they be creative to kind of help move them through those challenges that they come up with? That's a great question. And I I have a a chapter in the book called Your Creative Medicine. And for each person is different. And from the research I did for the book, the research says that you don't need artistic talent in order to receive the therapeutic benefits of creative expression. So the research states that you don't have to be talented and everyone has something that makes them excited or puts them in the creative zone. 
and it could be music. Maybe you love to sing. Mm. It could be knitting, crocheting. It could be woodworking. I had a client, you know, who was a cancer patient, stage three, and her thing was gardening. And she had an amazing garden and that was her creative medicine. So I, I think everyone has something that they enjoy and it doesn't have to be painting or drawing. So um, it's, it's, it's about, the, again, the process of creating. It's not about a finished product. So whatever gives you that joy is, you know, I would just pursue whatever that is. Right. Okay. That makes total sense. Like, I know I love to write, right? You know, I mm-hmm. love to write poetry. and Definitely. Yeah, very creative. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I will do like collages and, you know, of course, vision boards and things like that. But, and and sometimes I'll draw, but you know, it's so not like, you know, I draw stick figures and I can't draw a face, but I'll just, I'll just draw because in that moment, I feel like I want to draw something, even if it doesn't even resemble what my intention was it like, this is supposed to be a house and it's almost like what we would do when we were five with crayons. But in the moment, it feels like a release. It feels like a presence and a calming and a interest. So is it really then about just honoring the fact that we are all creative beings, if I'm understanding what, you know, kind of what you're offering up and how kind of what your journey's been, and that we really just need to allow ourselves that permission to be creative however we choose. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Because the research shows the most important thing is to pick the medium that makes you happy. Okay. So it could be, could be baking. You know, maybe you love to bake and make, you know, decorate cakes. Whatever that medium is, is to find that. Yeah. And that's, what, that's what's more important. Uh, I know my sister-in-law, my brother and sister-in-law have a home in Southern Illinois, and they have a big backyard and she absolutely loves flowers and gardening in the sense of not necessarily having the vegetable garden, but just all kinds of flowers. She loves when the butterflies come and she just spends so many hours and that is her solace. That is her quiet, meditative, creative, calm time. So you were in your 30s, you said, when you were diagnosed with cervical cancer? My gosh, I, I'm glad you're here. And you've obviously um, healed from that Yes, cancer? De- yes, definitely a survivor, yeah. And what do you think was the predominant thing? If, if you had to pick a couple of predominant areas that really helped you move through the cancer and actually become a survivor, what would you say those were? I think the most important thing is, and, and I do work with a lot of cancer patients, is that you have to con- take control of your health and not be a passive bystander of just the medical treatment and then thinking, okay, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, I really um, had to reevaluate um, what I was eating. So I, I became a health nut, basically. And I also started exercising. I never exercised before in my entire life. I mean, I didn't do sports in school and college. So um, it it was just really taking charge of every aspect of my health because I think it's sad when people have cancer that the doctors prefer that patients be passive and just do as they're told. But, you know, once you go home and the treatment is done, if you go back to doing the exact same things you did before you had cancer, then you really can't expect different results. 
Oh, yeah. Wasn't it? I think I've said this in an episode previous. I can never remember. Wasn't it Einstein? Or it's attributed to Einstein that said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results? Yes. yes. Yeah. So do you think, though, that your kind of ability to allow yourself the permission to be creative once again, do you think that played a role in your ability to survive through cancer? That played a big role because that gave me permission, again, to put myself first because it's something that I was interested in, something that made me happy. And I was like, and I, so I said, I'm taking these classes where before, before the cancer diagnosis, I probably would not have done that because yeah. I was too busy. And so I made myself a priority, you know, and part of making yourself a priority is learning how to say no to people and also being compassionate with yourself. And so I, I knew that making art made me happy. And, and when, I, when I took that first class and I had that intense healing experience, you know, that was valid, you know, it validated everything that I knew to be true. And I realized that, that that's something I had to make a priority in my life because it, it, it is such a wonderful thing. At least for me, it's a, such a wonderful healing tool for me. So what was the healing experience that you went through? You said intense healing experience. So what was yeah, that? Yeah, that, that was when I was at um, drawing out in the, um, oh, the botanical drawing class right. where I sat there and I just felt this energy, waves of energy just coming through my body just from sitting down and being present. Isn't that amazing how we shut that off? Like we can know that and have experienced it like you did in your younger years, right? In junior high and high school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you felt it as a wave of calm and peace and yes. centeredness and groundedness and presence, maybe not particular per se energy at that moment, but then you're in your thirties and you have this diagnosis of cancer and now you're describing it as waves of energy. Yes. Did you actually feel the energy kind of move in and through your body? It was very intense. I could feel, I could, I describe it as being an ecstasy. Wow. It, it was super intense. Like I was, it was wave after wave and, and I was buzzing for hours afterwards. I was like vibrating with this energy. So it was not a subtle thing. It was very intense. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. See, some people are not very kinesthetic that way, right? So they don't necessarily feel that kind of mm, buzz or intensity of actual energy in their body. But I think the more important thing, and I would love to see if you, you know, your thoughts on this, is that, like you said, they kind of honor who they are and where they're at, and they give themselves permission to make themselves a priority, like you said, and just learn to be, to, to kind of have a creative vent or outlet, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and, you know, just to go back a, a step from what you're saying about the energy, I just wanted to point out that, um, in the book, I did research on that, and there is a, a book, um, I think it's called Art Can Heal Your Life, but the author talks about there is an energetic component to making art or being creative, and it's normally not discussed because you can't measure it. Right. But there is that component, and all people who are artists know this, you know, they, they know this, so... Um, that's something I think that's really important for your listeners to understand that there is an energetic component and it's about the way to access that is about being completely present and mindful of whatever you're doing in front of you, whether it's drawing or clay or baking and uh, letting yourself get into that zone, mm -hmm. that creative zone 
And that's how you get into, that's how you tap into that energy. Uh, and it's different for everybody, but it's, it's not something that you can force. And it, it's almost like being in a meditative state where you're, you're meditating, your mind is quiet, but you're doing an activity. And, and actually there's a type of meditation called expressive meditation. And I read about it in the book. And this is the oldest type of meditation. And in this type of meditation is where like the shamanic cultures where there's drumming and they're dancing and they get into this altered state through the music or whatever activity. That is a type of meditation. And so for, and I have a chapter in the book called when you should be meditating, but you're not, (laughs) you know, everybody, (laughs) because all my clients, when you have cancer, it's hard to sit still. And, you know, your mind's going a million miles an hour and you have all the stress. It's really hard for cancer patients or people who are going through a difficult time to sit still and meditate. And what I offer is of a mandala where they can sit down and color. And that can, the study, I have a study about that and it shows that it can actually put you in a meditative state. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, meditation is all kinds of things. Yes. So even if you're not a good artist, I would recommend that you start with you know, coloring, a coloring book, especially where they're the, the, they have geometric designs. The studies show that those are the best ones. Those are my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And then, or um, the collaging is another wonderful tool to use because if you can't draw collaging is a great way to express the subconscious mind. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the tools I use for um, the first creative prescription, which is uh, trust your intuition. That's the first one in the, um, that I have. And collage is the, the, the vehicle that we use to tap into our subconscious mind because the body speaks in images, symbols, and, and that way you, can, you don't have to be an artist, but you can create some amazing images. Yeah, I think that's why vision boards became so popular for so many people because it was allowing their kind of subconscious and conscious mind to come together and mm-hmm. put together a picture of this self of now and future that was really born from a deeper place within them that they kind of already knew, but they couldn't necessarily put verbalization to with words, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so they could do it with pictures. I know because I've never fancied myself as an artist in that way, years ago, I knew that I loved art though. And although I love writing and music and I play guitar and things like that, I knew that I wanted something more visual, right? And so I started coloring. And I bought, you know, pencils and markers and this and that and all kinds of different coloring books. And some of my favorite are the mandalas, right? You know, the mandala and the geometric patterns and shaped uh, pieces. And man, it's, it's just about kind of diving in and, and allowing. And I would really walk away when I was done even some of the paint by quote unquote paint by number color by number yeah i may not have drawn it but i colored it gosh darn it and i felt phenomenal almost like an artist not that i would maybe frame it and try to sell them and live as a professional artist but i felt like i was being creatively expressive and and there is a tremendous calmness in that so if, if you don't mind sharing, how long were you dealing with your, you know, cervical cancer diagnoses before you were, you know, um, told that you were clear for now? I mean, that you're in remission. 
Well, after I had the treatment, I had to go in and get um, screenings every first. It was every three months for the first year. Then after that, for five years, every six months. So, you know, it, five years later, you know, I was still clear. And after five years, they stopped doing the screening. So when, when were you first, though, I meant kind of told you're in remission now from the active kind of. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't understand the question. But um, luckily, I was diagnosed as early stage. So the treatment was. I only had a couple of treatments and I was done. So it was very quick. Wow. I was caught very early. Yeah. I was lucky. Wow. So, and, and well, the reason I was asking is I was curious then your kind of process of healing on the creative kind of expressive side, right? Mm-hmm. You, you go out into the botanical gardens, you're drawing, you're taking this class. Did you stick with it at, from that point forward then? Did you stick with your creative art expressiveness? Yes, I did it. And I went back and took other classes. And then I started, you know, painting and drawing with the kids at home. So I try to incorporate more into my life Yeah, with with the kids. And so I took uh, like other classes drawing. I actually took another ceramics class as an adult. So um, yes. Did you find that your attitudes or the gremlins in your head or the emotions and all the stresses and anxieties that you had felt maybe a lot more of before did you find that those issues were a lot calmer for you now? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the I just, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's just basically being in the space of where I feel like I'm completely present in body, mind, and spirit. And I'm, I'm basically in this creative zone. And Dr. Bernie Siegel, he has written many books. He's um, a, sur- a famous surgeon and author. In his book, he says that the, that the zone is the most healing state that the body can be in. Mm. And he always encouraged all his patients to take up some kind of activity where they can, whatever got them into the zone, because he felt that that facilitated their healing from whatever they're going through, from surgery or illness or cancer. And so um, definitely being in this creative zone is what gave me access to this healing energy. Nice. And so at what point then, what kind of what led you, I should say, to write the book? Oh, that's a good question. So fast forward and, you know, I was in my thirties when I was diagnosed. And then five years ago, I started working at a nonprofit agency with women who were diagnosed with cancer. We had a, a grant from Susan T. Coleman and I provided services for women, uh, cancer navigation, and um, we also provided financial assistance. And so that got me back again working with, you know, people with cancer. And I was also before then I was working as a health coach. So I did work with uh, cancer patients there too. But in, in this job, it was just spe- spe- uh, specifically with cancer patients. And so what I was seeing, I would go to people's homes to do the evaluations and connect them to services. And what I was seeing is that, especially in newly diagnosed people, like you get diagnosed, the doctor comes in, you meet the oncologist. From that first appointment, they set you up with like, okay, you know, two days from now, you're going to lab tests, you're going to the radiologist, you're going to, you know, you're, 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 you're going to do um, the CAT scans. So, you know, so you're constantly, they have you so busy and running from one appointment to this test and this lab test and, you know, you need this medication and um, that people don't really have a chance to process a, a, a diagnosis. And so when they get home, they're like an emotional mess. And 
what I saw that it, there was a lot of suffering and unmet needs and in these you know I'm, I work mostly with women and these women that were diagnosed with cancer and so when I was working with them I would come up with ideas like you know what there has to be something where I can alleviate some of this anxiety and the stress and you know the studies show like hospitals know that creative activities alleviate stress and anxiety, especially for people going through cancer treatments. And that's why all the major hospitals and cancer centers offer art therapy programs, because the research proves that this is really an uh, effective, inexpensive way to alleviate the stress. And so I, I already knew that. And I thought, well, not everybody has access to art therapy programs because yeah. you can't you can't afford most people can't afford to hire an art therapist and do one-on-one sessions so if you don't live close to the hospital or maybe you know you have kids in the classes when the kids are coming home from school so there was a lot of obstacles for my clients being able to access this type of class and so I got the idea it's like why don't I write a book that's kind of um I tell people if an art therapy book and a coloring book had a baby, that's what my book would be. You know, it's like the merging. <laughs> that's what it is. It's the baby. <laughs> because, you know, you're not, if you're going through cancer or something, you're not going to read an art therapy book. You know, right. it's more like, a, it's like a textbook. And that's not going to be real. And so what I wanted to do is, you know, because I knew personally that this could alleviate a lot of the stress because it personally, it, it, it did for me. So I created a book specifically to help women in their homes, you know, tap into the healing benefits of creative expression. And that's how the book came about. Awesome. So it sounds like, you know, you really saw the need for all of these patients, you know, to have access to to their ability to be able to be expressive in a creative way without necessarily having the, the financial means or the other resources or access to the programs that are, that were already out there. So, mm-hmm. So you wrote the book, but it's really not just for, I'll admit, I haven't read it yet. I have been glancing through it and looking at it, and it looks phenomenal. But it's not just for people who have had cancer or women with cancer, right? Correct. Correct. Everyone that's read the book has said, you know, like 90% of what's in the book can apply to the general population. Okay. And probably 10% is specific to cancer patients. Well, and what I like about it is it's creative prescriptions, right? So if you were, you know, like the doctor writes you a prescription, the Rx, right? So what, what would you say are some of the top, you know, I, you know, top three, top five prescriptions that you would really want people to, to hear and know right now that could really be beneficial and helpful for them? Well, in the book, I have six prescriptions, and we already talked about make yourself a priority. That's one of the prescriptions. The other one is express yourself. And so this prescription talks about how you can use your emotions and channel that energy to fuel your creative activity. Okay, so say that again. It's about how you can use your emotions as like the raw fuel to express yourself and whatever you're doing creatively okay. so like exactly like with the clay and the kneading you know oh, how it's, yeah. you know okay so like so if if you're if you're feeling angry or frustrated or happy or you know irritated whatever you're feeling use that as a fuel for your creativity 
I love that. Oh, you know what I was thinking too? You just, you just spurred something in my mind. So I'd had to have a hand surgery years and years ago and they gave me um, like a, it wasn't, it was a ball, but it was like a really like um, a firm, maybe it was clay or something. I, maybe not clay, but it was something that like would, could retain a shape, but also be shaped. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yes. And, um, but it wasn't a ball. And I, I could squeeze it and, and it would like kind of take the shape in my hand, but then it would eventually kind of bounce back. I don't even remember mm -hmm. the name of it. It's kind and, of a therapeutic ball. Yes. Oh, is that what it's called? Okay, yeah. cool. And, and so like, that could be great, even though it's not clay and you don't have a potter's wheel, let's say, and you don't consider yourself an artist in that way. You could take those and when you're upset or stressed or frustrated or angry or whatever, you could just like squeeze them and look at what you've created by the squeezing and then squeeze it again or meld it, right? Mm -hmm. Could you? Definitely. Yeah. You can even do that with if on a piece of paper, you take a marker and if you're angry, you just scribble really hard with a pen and just let all your frustration out of the paper, like rip the paper when you're done, you know, throw it in the, in the garbage can, just be physical and release whatever you're feeling. Because the research shows that most emotions go through the body. Most emotions only last 90 seconds. Yes. Thank you. See people now pay attention. Okay. I have said this all along. That emotions, <laughs> the reason I've said emotions are illusions is because they are emotion, energy in motion. So they are Correct. the physical things you feel, but that they last a very short time. Now I have an expert here who is telling you the same thing, and I'm an expert too, but because I didn't do the research from the biological side. Mm -hmm. See, now I'm, thank you. Thank you very much, Annette, for saying that because now people, you can pay attention that it really only lasts up to 90 seconds. It's the story and all the labels and all the associations that you're, you've given it and you're telling yourself about it that makes it feel like it lasts a lot longer, right? Yes. It's, it's the, yes. So the, emo the feeling, the emotion is actually a physical feeling. The emotions are physical, but feelings are what you attach to based on your history and experience. So like, I'm feeling this or I'm feeling angry. But if you just let the emotion go through the body and not attach a label, it would just dissipate. Okay, so see, a story. Yes. I, I'm going to challenge you on that one because it's actually the way I've seen it through my career. It's mm -hmm. actually the opposite that the emotion, the energy in motion is the physical sensations. Yes. Those are the feelings, right? I'm sorry. The feelings are the physical sensations, the emotion, that physical feeling, energy in motion. The emotion is what is the label. Well, that I'm basing, the, the research I did is based on the findings of neurobiology. Right. So it depends what theories you're talking about. The way it's described. So I, I really researched this thing, this feelings and emotions a lot for this book. Yeah. Because there's there's different theories. And in psychology, it's more of what you're saying, the way you're well, describing right. it because in the see, psychology. That's, that's how we all get stuck, right? Is that right. we like I'm feeling so angry. No, what I'm feeling is hot heat in my face, tightness in my jaw, yes. a, a, a tightness in my chest. The emotion is anger. And then I'm telling you the story about the anger, right? I'm yes. feeling all this and, anger and, and stuff. Right. In psychology, that is, that is true. Yeah. 
I base it on neurobiology and what the, the science of neurobiology states, the emotion is actually the physical sensation and the feelings are the labels you give to it. So that's how hmm. neurobiology. So it's a little bit different and it's, it is confusing. But that it, is, I just, yeah, yeah, that is. I'm going to have to look at that more because I've done a lot in neurobiology too and epigenetics and, you know, taking a look at biophysiology and things like that. And so that's interesting. See, and, yes. and this is what I love about this show. And this is what I love about conversations that we have on this show is that we can come from different perspectives and basically be saying the same thing, but from different angles. We can say something totally opposite from one another. I don't mean you and me specifically now, but like us as humans, right? We can totally agree and nobody is right or wrong. It's just mm -hmm. different. And that's Correct. the beauty of being open to understanding all of these beautiful parts to us as a human that we can get caught up in, right? And then stop ourselves from being those creative expressions of ourselves and being those beautiful, you know, parts of us that, that maybe we hold back because we're afraid of what people will think or what they'll say or things like that. So thank you for enlightening me on that. And I will look more into that because I've, I've studied neurobiology too, and I've not, I've not seen it specifically unless we're saying the same thing and it's just the terminology is getting a little bit tripped up or I'm getting tripped up on the terminology, <laughs> right? Well, I, I, I base my book, the definition on the, um, the findings of like Candace Pert. Who, who wrote the biology? Yeah, yeah, bio so, molecules of emotion. Yes, so the actually the the molecules of emotion are it's actually a, the physical sensation. Yes, the energy and motion. I think you yes, know what I yes. think we're it's, saying the same thing. I think we are too. It's I just think we're saying so to 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 alleviate any potential confusion that maybe Annette <laughs> and I have done now. <laughs> Candace Pert was this amazing, amazing scientist who has, mm -hmm. now, uh, has now passed on. And she wrote a book called Molecules of Emotion by Candace Pert. If you have never heard of it, please go check it out. It's an amazing, it eye-opening and mind-blowing, and you want it to be mind-blowing, to blow your mind, book on how to understand this. And really, the way I understood her work was that Again, the emotion is this energy in motion, this biophysical feeling state, these energy, molecular, biophysiological, chemical, neurotransmitter yes. molecules that are moving in your body that you feel a sensation and you are giving a label to. And so you and I are saying the exact same thing. Yes. What most people term as emotions, and that's where I'm, I kind of dive in then, is that Look at the feelings from that energy and motion, emotion state, but look at the emotional label you're giving to it, like sad, anxiety, frustrated, happy, right. confused. Those are the stories. Those are the associations that we've learned to give that physical stuff. But in the and context, that's what, I, that's what I call feelings in the book. That's yes, what I call okay, feelings. perfect. So I don't want you to be confused when you get. Um, Annette's book. I don't want you to be confused by what we might have talked about on other episodes or what you might know of, of our work together, if you and I have worked together, things like that, because we're all saying the same thing. 
See, and this is the beauty, again, that we're all saying the same thing, people, but we can come at it from all these beautiful ways. So if you don't consider yourself a creative or an artist, you know what? Like Annette says, find the thing that works for you. I know when I was a dead mother for Cub Scouts, I was tasked, and I do not consider myself to be crafty, with, uh, it was Thanksgiving, and it was, oh, that's right, make a turkey out of a spoon. We have these materials, these plastic spoons, (laughs) and you're going to make a turkey out of it. No offense to Native Americans, you know, I have an affinity to Native American culture and history. And so please, anyone out there who may be of, uh, 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 you know, who may be Native American, this is in no way designed to offend you. But the truth is my turkey, when all was said and done, and it was only like four or five pieces that we were to put together, looked like a really bad Native American chief. I don't even know how a turkey looked like a person versus a turkey. That's how (laughs) non-crafty creative I am. But we had fun. The boys had a great time. And my cohort said, hey, Sue, from now on, why don't you let me handle the crafty creative parts? And I said, you got it. (laughs) So it's just knowing your kind of strength. So, all right. So we have, you know, I forgot that there were six. Thank you for reminding me. There's make a priority. There is express yourself. And then what would be the third one? Okay. The first one is trust your intuition. The second oh, I thought one you said make, it was make a pre- Oh, second one. We, oh, we already, yeah, we already, yeah, we already talked about that one. But the first one was trust your intuition. And that's where we talked about um, collaging as an intuitive tool. Okay. And then make yourself a priority is number two. Three is express yourself. Four is manage your mindset. Okay. So how do they do that? Well, in this, I talked about how we can use creative tools to uh, shift the mindset. And I have different activities, like, you know, journaling is uh, one one big tool in that, in that section because journaling is a great way to see patterns in your thinking. I also have like an activity called your stinking thinking, where you write down your most prevalent type of negative thoughts, and then you can categorize them like categorize them so you know what your uh, main negative thought pattern is. And you use that in a creative activity, you know, using crayons. So you use color to help you identify. Like like one of them is awfulizing or whatever situation in it it, it is, you you, you, like, oh, this is awful. Uh, So there's there's different mindsets. If you can identify them, then what you can do is you can stop yourself from going down that road by saying, okay, this is one, like I call my, my, when I awfulize, I call it my drama queen. And so if I can label when I'm getting overly emotional as my drama queen, that stops me from getting overly emotional and saying, okay, I don't have to behave this way. So yeah, that's I love that. kind of like stopping it. So that's what the tools are for. Yeah. And then what's five? Five is connect to your body's wisdom. And in this one, I, uh, I talk about how stress affects the body and it's especially you know, stress also lowers the immune system. So it's really important to get your stress under control because it, it does expose you to getting, um, you know, illnesses. And I also talk about how we can use in the latest research, like the, called The Upside of Stress is the book by Dr. McConnell. 
Uh, she talks about how you can use stress as a positive thing because again, there's energy when you're stressed out and you can, you can channel that energy to something positive. So I talk about that in the book and then other ways of alleviating stress and also connecting to your, to your body. It's really important if you're going to, if you want to live a healthy life is really connecting to your body on a daily basis to know what your needs are and honoring them. And then just some breathing active exercises. So, and then color, I have a, a small a mini coloring book in the middle of the book. And so it's just different ways of connecting to your body's wisdom, which I think is, again, according to Candace Pert, the body is a subconscious mind. So it's really important to connect yeah. to the wisdom of your body. For sure. Now, does that also include kind of the thoughts that might come up, that deeper intuitive knowingness that might come up that some would look at as wisdom too? Yes. And that we talk about that and in the section of... Uh, the first one, trust your intuition. I talk about different intuition, different types of intuition. And one of it, one is the knowing, which is you have a thought in your mind where you know, like, this is true. And the other one is more of a gut feeling. And that's the physical part. So there's two types of intuition. One is the body, have like the gut instinct or your heart tells you, your heart feels heavy, connecting to the visceral intuitive self. And then the other one is the more, um, the mental where you get like a hit, intuitive hit. Yeah. So what's number six then? Number six is cultivate a spiritual practice. Say it again. Cultivate a oh, spiritual. Cultivate. Yeah, a spiritual practice. Ah. Now, what could that be for people? Because some people might not consider themselves spiritual at all, right? Yes. It doesn't necessarily mean religious, but it, it can also mean what are your beliefs? You know, what even if you don't believe in a higher power, what what do you believe in and how the purpose is being conscious of how you can use your beliefs to support whatever you're going through. And so what I have found is like for people, especially going through cancer, I have found that those who have a really strong spiritual belief or religious practice do so much better than yeah. those that don't. It's just another tool to support you through a difficult time. And, and that's why I, I want people to know that's really powerful. And I use creative tools to help you connect into whatever your belief is or your spiritual practice. And if you can deepen that, that will help you through a difficult time. Well, and I think what's really important about that is that it's relevant to anyone, right? Yes. Whether you're going through cancer or any kind of an or illness or, or a loss of a job. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's, that's what I love is that, you know, your book, Creative Prescriptions is really a guide to creating personal wellness, kind of designing a program, you know, for yourself. Yes. By yes. selecting those prescriptions in the book, let's say, that support your physical, your emotional, your psychological, kind of your spiritual well-being. And, and it's through creative expression mm -hmm. without you having to feel like you are this, I'm the creative type, or I'm an artist, or I'm a musician, or I'm a poet. Like, it might be none of that. It might be, like you said, you know, taking pens or markers and just doodling and drawing different things on, on paper, or it might be doing collages, or it might be gardening, or it might be a gazillion and one ways that bring you a sense of joy and, and peace and happiness and allow you to become centered, grounded, and present, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So how long after your kind of diagnosis and, and, and your treatment did you then write the book? 
Well, the, the book came many years afterwards because it came when working with the cancer patients that I was working with like starting five years ago. So um, even though I use creativity in my own life, I didn't write the book. I didn't start writing the book until like two years into working with the cancer patients. So I started writing it three years ago. And what have they found in, in you working with them with your book and kind of the prescriptions? What have they found? Have you found that they are, you know, whether they go into remission themselves or not, do you find that there is a different level of just by by kind of following the prescriptions in your book, do they do you see a different or 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 I'm always careful in my language. I don't want to see say better or higher because it's just it may not be better or higher, but a different quality of their life dealing with what they're dealing with? Yes. Um the feedback I've gotten with the clients, especially the the cancer patients, is that those who have used the prescriptions and added the creativity, like the art journaling and some of the other tools in the book, have really had the feedback I've gotten is that they've found it a great relief of the stress and anxiety. And it gave them tools to decompress after treatment or if they're home. And it allowed them to enjoy themselves and it provided relief. Because when, when you have something like cancer, it's like it never, it never goes away. It's like you never get a break from it. Like your thoughts are always around cancer. So it's like nonstop, 24-7, everything you do is affected by cancer. And basically the feedback I got is that this let them get away from the cancer. It, it gave them a break, kind of like a mini vacation yeah. where they could just forget about the cancer and they could, and they could enjoy the coloring, they could be playful, they could have a distraction from the treatment. And that's what prov- what they enjoyed the most. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I mean, especially when you're dealing with something like that, that, you know, everybody's like the C word. It's such a, a powerful word in and of itself, regardless of the diagnosis or the prognosis or the, the you know, where you're at it, uh, of whatever stage it's still incredibly scary. And so to get any kind of a respite from that momentarily is incredibly helpful and powerful. Well, what would you say in, in the few minutes we have left, what, what would be kind of your kick your butts moment advice? Because I, you know, I could hear clearly that your kind of kick your butts moment was that wake up call when you were diagnosed with cancer. And then going out into the botanical gardens and feeling that energy course through you in its intensity really seemed to be your kick your butt moment. Like, I've got to return to a place of making myself a priority and return to my creative expression, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. So what would be that kick your butt kind of piece of advice that you would want to offer up to, to the audience as far as your expertise. What I would like to tell your listeners is that, you know, don't wait until you get a cancer diagnosis or something Mm. catastrophic happens in your life to make yourself a priority. Yeah. Well, how can people do that though, if they're struggling? Like, you know, you unfortunately had moved away from your creative expressions, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. with family, and then you have this wake-up call, and now you know differently, right? And so it, that won't be an issue for you again. 
So how would someone do that, though, who doesn't have that wake-up call and they don't want to wait, you know, till they have that emergent wake-up call? What's something that they could do to kind of help themselves through that now if they're struggling with all that inner thought that says, and I know here we go, the but, 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 I don't have time and the kids and the husband and the wife and the this and the job and the bills and the this. I hear that a lot. And I, I tell people, you know, that say, I don't have time. You know, most people have to work and they have kids. And, you know, I say, well, first of all, time is the most important gift you can give yourself, number one. And number two, if you have half an hour to watch television or search social media, then you have one half hour that you can give to yourself to do something that is really life enhancing or, you know, contributes to your well-being. So most of us do have the time. It's just we're distracted by Facebook or all the, you know, you know, Instagram. And so it's, it's not true that we don't have the time. Uh. We all have the time. We just have to carve out a little bit of time for ourselves. But we as women, come on, don't often think that we are deserving of that, right? Though, and no, because- I, I agree. Definitely not right about that in the book. In fact, one of the activities is called When You Don't Feel Worthy. Because yeah. if, if you don't feel worthy, you're not going to give yourself that time. So part of it is connecting to that you're precious. Your needs are important. They're just as important as everybody else's. And sometimes you have to learn how to say no. And I have an activity learning how to say no, especially for women that really put themselves last. And, and um, you're, you're not serving anybody if you're drained and unhealthy and unhappy. You're not serving yourself. You're not serving anybody else. Right. So that's why you have to make yourself a priority. Well, and it, there's a phrase or, or a saying, right? We call it a gift. We call it a present. We call it a gift because we, oh, wait, I see it. This is why I don't <laughs> tell jokes. This is why I flip and don't tell jokes because I, I don't either. I don't tell jokes off. either. I do but, too. <laughs> I always used to say this all the time and now I can't remember. It's, um, we call it the present because it's a gift. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We call it the present because it's a gift. So if you want to give yourself a present, if you want, wait a minute, see, (laughs) whatever. Okay. Let's try this again. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. If you want, in order to give yourself the gift of you and be present in the present moment, give yourself the present of being present and the presence of you by giving yourself the gift of time and priority and presence. That's roughly what I was trying to say, but yes, um, the gift gift of time is something you have complete control over. Yeah, you have I love control that. of your own time. Yeah, so that's something that everyone can do. Yeah, I love that. Well, any last words of wisdom or advice that you'd like to share? Well, I just want your listeners to know that I, I do have a, a free mini book for them. So if they want to try the creative prescriptions process. I have a free book for them, and I, I really hope that they would do it. And I really want your listeners to have the confidence that they can do this too. They don't have to be artistic or talented. I really want them to know that this is a fun way to tap into tools that can help you with your everyday struggles or stress, and it's available to everyone. I love that. And thank you so much. That's very generous of you. And you would get that by going to www.annettello.com forward slash free dash book. And I'll spell it for you. That's www.annettello.com 
T-E-L-L-O.com forward slash free, F-R-E-E hyphen book, B-O-O-K. And that will be all in the show notes for you all to take a look at. I would encourage you to get her free book, Creative Prescriptions for Women with Cancer, Tools for Tapping into Your Stress-Free, Happy Healing Place is an amazing book. It is not a small book. It is like a big workbook. And there are all kinds of activities and things. And I I didn't see the middle where there was a little coloring book, but I'm definitely going to like be peeking at that now, especially, you know, to look at that. It sounds like a very well-rounded, really kind of a guide and and a, um, a program in and of itself in this as a book to take you on your healing journey. And if you want to get in touch with Annette, then go to AnnetteTello.com and you can also contact her through her website. And again, we'll have all that on the show notes. Thank you so much, Annette, for being here with us today. I am so honored that you were here to really share with people how they can begin to take control, make themselves a priority, and step into a place of real health and wellness. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. really enjoyed this. <laughs> Thank you. And you all know how much I love seeing you every week. And you know that every week, whether I sit here and chatter on by myself or I bring a guest on, that the hope is that there's always value that you can take away and learn something about yourself so that you can learn to step into your own infinite possibilities, really kick past those butts and those boundaries and those limits and really dive into who you're meant to be. I want you to be aware of the fact that there is an upcoming summit that I will be sharing with everybody on each episode going forward through the month of March and into April. It's called the Women Emerging Summit, and there'll be a link in, in each episode of my show notes for you to take a look at that summit. If you're enjoying Kick Your Butts, if you find value in it, please feel free to share with those that that you feel might benefit from it. Go to Apple and rate and review. And for now, have an amazingly, infinitely possible week. And I will see you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to Kick Your Butts, where sitting on your butts is no longer an option, figuratively and literally. To access the show notes and important links from today's episode, please visit kickyourbutts.com. While you're there, please share your Kick Your Butt story by clicking the Start Recording button. It might just be included in a future episode. Thanks for listening today. Now get out there and kick those butts to the curb.